Welcome to the Christian Indie Writers Podcast, where we inform, encourage, and support Christian indie writers on their journey to publication. I'm Jamie Hirschberger. I write short fiction under the pen name J.R. Nichols. I'm Jennifer Carl Tong, and I write historical Christian romance. I'm Christina Katane, and I write Christian dystopian fiction. And our loving prayers go out to our fourth co-host, who's MIA Rhonda uh, Hagerman. We love her, and we are praying for a speedy return to us and a complete recovery from some medical issues she's facing. So if you would pray for her, I know that she'd appreciate that. And if you reach out and let her know you're thinking of her, she'd love that too. All right. Thank you to everybody who is tuning in today. We are live every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern. So if you're available to join us over in our live chat, we have some amazing people who join us every week. Um, this week, we've got Brian in the chat. Good morning, Brian. Who Good to see you, Brian. <laughs> hey, Brian, I saw your post in our Facebook group and I didn't read it. So that's why I didn't respond because I was afraid it would, um, I didn't want to read what someone else wrote with a prompt before I wrote mine. So I'm yes, going to go back afterwards and, and comment. Yes. So appreciate you uh, doing that. Yeah, we got Gigi waving a hello to us. Piper says, hey, everyone. Liz says, hello. Hope the baby's letting you uh, enjoy the podcast. I wonder if the baby enjoys the podcast. And Craig says, good morning as well. And Shell's with us today. Hiya, Shell. Good to see you. It's so early for Shell. I just appreciate that Shell shows up. (laughs) She's on the other coast. She's on the other time. All the way over there away from us. Very far, very far. Oh, goodness, that made me yawn. I'm so sorry. If you are unable to join us. Oh, hi, Nicole. If you're unable to join us live, that's fine. Um, We appreciate you. Good morning, Teresa. We appreciate you. That's great. I'm so glad because I don't want to miss anybody. Um, Again, it's a vibrant and active chat every week. And we need you because we will say over and over that we are not experts. And so two heads are better than one. Um, Isn't it something in the Bible? It's just something about... You know, the more the merrier, something like that. Well, I think that's the forty-three strands, <laughs> Three right? Strands. Yes, I have a actually, I have a really pretty um, sign that says that, and I'm gonna get pictures of my girls and put around there because someday, like you know, they want to kill each other now, half the time, right? <laughs> but someday they're gonna appreciate that they have a sister, right? Maybe. So you mean that? <laughs> <laughs> I will refer you to my sprint later. Oh, oh. Okay. <laughs> so you mean the more the merrier is not in the Bible? Not, not that I've seen. <laughs> just kidding. Okay, not that I, we've talked about that before. Remember how people like just always have like, oh, they'll say something and it's totally not in the Bible. Like, <laughs> cracks me up. Yeah. Well, if like God helps it. those who help themselves. Yeah, that's and a I'm also like, uh, no, I'm pretty sure it's God helps us because we can't help ourselves. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you can't join us live at 10 a.m. Eastern, um, you can catch us on any podcast platform. And those of you who do, we super duper appreciate you. Um, again, we have listeners in the Democratic Republic of Congo. Big shout out to you all because we actually chart over there. And so we appreciate all of our listeners, both live and listening to us later. Ooh, and Brian points out iron sharpens yes, iron. That's a good one. Yes. And our our chat is full of irony. <laughs> I was gonna say though, this is a this is a perfect podcast episode for that scripture because we are gonna be looking at like in last week as well, where we kind of look at ways of improving or things that maybe we're not doing just exactly right with our covers or with our blurb. And so it's not to be critical. It's just iron sharpening iron. Right. So I appreciate Brian sharing that. Yep. And we've got Joan with us. Uh, She's got the, uh, the name love qualified. That's Joan. Good to see you. Good morning to everyone. Okay. So we start off today. I'm so happy to see them all. Yes. Um, And we're going to go around our virtual host table and do the what's up segment of the podcast. And uh, everyone can put their what's up in the chat or better yet, go join our Facebook group listeners of the Christian Indie Writers podcast. We have a prompt today asking you for your what's up and you could probably get a little bit more engagement over there. Um, So what's up with you today, Tina? Well, I uh, I hit a a milestone in my writing of my uh, book three of my trilogy. So I am sending that. I am doing my um, beta reader thing a little differently because I'm doing this whole editing as I write thing. Yeah. So I'm sending the first section to my beta readers for them to read while I'm working on the second section. So I'm a little excited to find out like 
what they think and how they think it's going. So, well, congratulations to you because I understand that, um, you know, tackling the productivity, uh, whatever challenge or whatever is something that you've been focusing on. And it sounds like you're making great strides. Good for you. And I'm kind of an Icarus. So mm. when, when I first start writing a book, I, it's like rolling that stone up the hill. Oh, and Prometheus. Goes, Icarus has Prometheus, the wings and flies too close to the sun. That's fine. That too. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I'm, I'm like, it's so slow going and I'm pushing that stone up that hill. But once it gets to the top, then everything just rolls downhill. So everything It's all downhill from here. Yep, 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 yep. So, um, yeah. So the beginning always is kind of slow for me as I'm kind of discovering things that are going to happen and my characters a little deeper and stuff like that. So, okay. I'm so, I'm happy for you. Great. That's a great. What's up. Um, Jamie. Yeah. Thanks, Jen. Um, I once again am comparing the wisdom of the Stoics to the wisdom of God's word um, just because it's been a fun exercise for me. And so today the Stoic quote I want to share with you is buried way down in the middle of this page and I've lost it. Okay. Where is it? so sorry. Give me how this, ironic this is... it would be if like Plato actually wrote that. Ah, <laughs> buried yes. in the middle of this page, and I can't like. <laughs> uh, this is a quote from Seneca, and um, oh goodness, where's oh he who is brave is free. And I went to Psalm thirty-one twenty-four. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart, all ye that hope in the Lord. And I just really love thinking about bravery that's born out of, um, like you know, when when David who showed up with sandwiches for his brothers, and he's just like what's going on here? Yeah, and they're all right. just like, this guy is doing this thing. And he's just like, listen, sandwich boy. Yeah. yeah. And, and he's just like, I don't understand why someone is just go out there and take him out. And he wasn't trying to be all like, I'm brave. He just was very much like, we're God's people and we're going to win. So I do not even understand why, like he really was not trying to be like all puffed up, but he just had this organic bravery that's mm-hmm. born of just a conviction and a certainty of who he was. And I just love that about David. There's some stuff that's not so great about, like, I'm not going to argue that, but I'm saying, right. No, that- <laughs> we're talking about bravery here. We're not talking about other things. So yeah. So before we went live, we had a conversation about why I would not, why I did not do well as a church board member. <laughs> And, I'm not, I'm and it was gonna, great. A Julia Sugarbaker moment for, for sure. Her. Julia, I've had several <laughs> Julia Sugarbaker moments. And if you're new here and you don't know designing women, um, you need to go watch a couple I'll episodes. Watch a clip. Um, because I don't mean to be offensive. I really, well, sometimes maybe I do. <laughs> I was just so, drawn that way. <laughs> yeah, I was just drawn that way. Okay, so um, there have been times that like I've had to stand up for what I thought was right, but because of the situation or those that are around me, like like my voice didn't want to, they didn't want to hear my voice because it did, it went against what, like just what the was party easier. Line or yeah. So the, mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. And, um, and I don't stand for that. So like, <laughs> so I, I know that not everybody has that personality and trust me, I'm, I'm nice. Like I think we make me out to be a real jerk, but I am a nice person. I am. Um, but I can look back at the situation I was sharing with the ladies. I'm not going to share it live here on the podcast, but um, sharing with the ladies, there was this situation and I can look back now and see that God totally took care of me in the whole thing. Like at the time I felt completely abandoned by my friends and by like, why is everybody turning on me? But now I look back and I'm like, I can see why, because God was trying to move me. Right. So not only will God protect Mm. you, but I think that sometimes you have to be brave so that he can use you and move you in the direction that's better for you. So very nice. I think it's important to know that there is no bravery if there's nothing to be afraid of. Yeah. Wow. But like bats, bats don't count. You do not have to deal with bats. (laughs) I love bats. Okay. I love them out there eating mosquitoes, not so much in my house. Yes, I it, love them on video eating yeah, raspberries. If, if you want a great laugh, go back to go to my personal Jennifer Carl Tong author page on Facebook <laughs> and go back a couple years to the release of we did a live uh for um avoiding Esther mm-hmm. and um the bats came we were outside. Yeah. 
<laughs> She's like ducking. <laughs> like, okay, live's over. <laughs> Hi. So what's up with you, Jennifer? Okay, so um, I wanted to share something and then Amazon decided to refresh. I was like, darn it. But I have been... Um, I have been work doing some new things in marketing. I've not been sharing them because I really don't have some definitive answers. And I really want to understand it really well myself and see what works and what doesn't work for me, at least to share it. Um, but um, I have been doing some more we um, email marketing, um, email promotion sites, which we had a, a episode back in March, I believe it was of this year where we talked about that. And, um, but not for free. I've been, I did reduce the price of my book so I could get into some of them. But this morning when I got up, I was number 53 in Christian romance and suspense. Like yeah, the other day I was like at a, a number hundred. I was so ex- excited that I broke a hundred. Now I've hit number one in new releases. Mm-hmm. I've hit a Christian new releases. I've hit number one uh, with the free books, right? Mm-hmm. Just having like a freebie. Um, but for a paid book, I was, that's just something I haven't done yet. So I was excited about that. That but is exciting. How I'm down awesome. to 97 now, oh. <laughs> but I will tell you that I still have the best response. No matter like people are like bargain booksy and, you know, fussy librarian. I have the best so far this in this round of experiments still with faithful reads. Hmm. So uh, if you write Christian and you've not done a book promo yet, you might want to check them out. Cause I've had really good, you know, it wasn't as good the first time gangbusters, like a great success this time better than everyone else, but still not as much as I was hoping for. But again, same I, book I, or uh, because I wonder, were you doing like the first book in the series? The first like what? Like, do you know what I'm saying? So I did this book for as a freebie, but not as a 99 censor. So, yes, the same book. I also did um, Phoebe's book, Calling for Phoebe, and did really well, but it was a new release. Um, and then this book I have done before. So the theory is like, so some of the readers already have read it. Mm. Um, but the, in theory, these email companies, they get, have a big changeover. They get lots of new people in. And so mm-hmm. you're supposed to do it quarterly or every six months. It's been well over a year since I did it. So maybe, maybe Christian, maybe faithful reads isn't as, I don't know. Anyways, again, I don't want to go too far into it because I'm still like gathering data and, um, I'm keeping track of everything because I really want to be able to share with with all of our listeners. Yeah, what, what a teaser so, for a future well, episode. That's just exciting. trying to save you guys some money. I'm yeah. really just truly trying to save you guys some money and show you some, you know, what I've learned from it. We are all about saving money and showing yes. you all what we've learned. And that is a great segue <gasps> into today's topic. Uh, the topic du jour is Blurb Clinic. So last week, we had an amazing positive response to our cover clinic episode. If you missed it, you'll want to go back and watch it. We examined uh, ways that you can test your cover to see if it's appropriate for the genre. And now today, we are going to talk about blurbs and how um, it's 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 not exactly a repeat episode, is it, Jennifer? Because no. the methodology is not the same. Am I wrong? Correct. And I feel like that the covers was easier for me to do. That we can still do this. Like Tina and I have, have written and we've helped other people write. Um, we are not experts. Again, just like last week's episode, we are not experts. We want to teach you, though, how you can go figure it out yourself. Right. I feel like a lot of our listeners, just like we were, years ago when we first started out, like kind of flailing and looking for information everywhere. And everybody has a different opinion on stuff, right? So we're just trying to help you to narrow it down and give you resources where you can help learn to do it yourself. Yes. And I think blurb writing is something that a lot of authors dread. And I even mm. saw some posts on Facebook. I, I actually shared a picture of one of them where the person had the book written, everything, everything done except the blurb like their <laughs> mm-hmm. book was ready to go and they were just dreading writing it yeah and then they put like placeholder text on their proof copy right so yeah it's pretty get, funny yeah. go check it out in our in our facebook group yeah so if you have unlimited funds there are places you can go the pay for them to write to write it for you so i sure. guess we should mention that real quick um best page forward i think is they do a great job the people i've met there are good people i've not used them for this 
for this purpose yet, but they're, they are out there. Um, but again, we're always here to try to help you save some money, at least at the beginning of the, you know, eventually when I'm like making like more of a regular income, there are certain things I'm going to hand off and blurb writing may or may not be one of them. I kind of enjoy it. So I guess, you know, and plus I have you guys as a soundboard, like Tina was struggling with her blurb and I said, just send it to me. And I was able to like give her mm-hmm. something that she just couldn't see herself. And yeah. I was struggling. I remember when I was struggling with avoiding Esther, I sent it to you and you're the one, Jamie, that said to me, you guys switch it. You need to put John first. That's the problem is that you were trying to like lead up and that was it. That's all I had to do was I switched him and it all worked. And yeah. So, so look a lot at of what, times, I'm sorry. Look at what Piper said. It's easier to do someone else's blurb than your own and see. And that's why we are trying to connect you all in the Facebook group. Maybe you guys can work out some kind of swaparoo arrangement um, with your podcast chat friends there. What were you saying, Tina? I'm just saying like, we're, you're too close. Yeah. And I think that there's this tendency to want to get everything that you feel is important about your book into the blurb and that's not what it's for yes Um, what is it for because i mean yeah we're saying the word blurb 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 and imagine if you're a new writer who is like going to do NaNoWriMo or something this year and you're just like ramping up for that so here you stumbled across us here we're talking about a blurb what on earth are we even talking about folks it's the back of the book it's literally the, the information that you find on the back of your book yeah it is a, and it also will be on your sales page on Amazon and um every other sales platform as well will use this for people to be able to read it. So that's what we're talking about. Now, another word that you might hear thrown around is synopsis. And as much as I love Brian Cohen, and I think he's a real a, an expert in this. He really misnamed his book. It, he named his first book Sizzlin Synopsis. Because of the S's, I think is yeah. why he did it. But it, this a synopsis and a blurb are not the same thing. A synopsis is where you literally kind of say, and then this happened, then this happened, then this happened. And that is what you do not want to do with your blurb. So. Right. Because the purpose of a blurb, I mean, think about uh, where it is. When someone in the olden days, when the only way to buy a book was to go to a store, you would pick the book up probably because the cover attracted you. Mm-hmm. And what do you do? You immediately turn it over unless it was a hardcover. Remember, you would have to open to read the flap. Yes. So it would be on the flap and you would read that bit. And was that bit to tell you everything? No, it's to sell the book to a potential reader. So you don't want to tell them everything that happens. You want to entice them into purchasing your book, correct? Yes, exactly. So a good blurb is a key component to your marketing strategy. And um, Jen, so I just want to backtrack a wee little bit. If you say, Uh, Cover is important and blurbs are important. And we're always looking for ways to economize. I personally would probably pay for a cover to be done and save the money and learn how to write a blurb before I would do it the other way around. Would you agree? Agreed. I would absolutely agree. Yes. A professional cover, no one will even pick up your book right? Mm -hmm. Like that's step one. Mm -hmm. Um, And to get that component right is super duper important. And you can only spend money on one thing. I would do the cover. There you go. Okay. And and if you are at all dabbling in in, um, Amazon ads at all, and you see that you're getting clicks, people are seeing your book, they're clicking on it, but then you're not getting sales. It could be your blurb. Because if they're clicking on the book cover, they're interested enough at that point But then what's the next thing they see? It's your blurb. So then you may want to revisit your blurb. That's awesome. And before we move on really into what makes a good blurb, let's just one more moment. Because it goes on the back of your book, sometimes people confuse it with the word back matter. The blurb is not part of your back matter, correct? The back matter is at the stuff that comes after the end. So if you have a link or like link or, or information on how to sign up for your newsletter information or like maybe the first couple chapters or uh, an excerpt from the next book um, the about the author comes at the back of the book, um, like your thanks and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Um, and then I always have like kind of like behind the scenes stuff, like mentioning like, you know, I got this information from here and blah, blah. That's all back matter. The blurb is on the actual back of the book. I always remember it that the back matters inside the book in the back and the blurb is on the outside. Got it. All right. So uh, now we're going to get to the meat of the matter. What makes a good blurb, ladies? 
Well, go ahead, Tina. I was going to say, like, number one is you have to have a hook. Mm. Like, the most important, that's the most important thing, I think. Like, that first line has to hook your reader. So, um, I was just reading a thing about hooks the other day. And does everybody know what the hook for Jaws is? Oh, yes, I remember it. Hold on. Oh, I was about being afraid to go out in the water. Just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water. Yes, when you thought it was safe to go in the back. Yeah. So, like, that is something that everybody pretty much remembers. Yeah. And not only that, it doesn't mention sharks. It doesn't right. remember mention the characters. So that's the one thing that we that we didn't mention too is that we said that yes, it's not the events, but it's the stakes. This is what is important for your, the back of your book. For the, sorry, excuse me, for the, your blurb, not to be confusing, is that you're showing the stakes. What's at stake for your character, not what happens to them. There's a difference. Right. So all right, go ahead, Tina. Well, I was just going to point out, like, if they had said, oh, there's this old guy with a boat and he's trying to kill the shark. and Like, that's kind of boring. But, like, when it says, just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water, like, that gets you right there. And then they can say a little bit about, you know, the shark and the boat and the everything. Mm-hmm. But they've hooked you. Right. Absolutely. Piper says, I thought it was something about having to buy a bigger boat. That's a line from in the middle of the movie that has just become very famous. And uh, I also want to take this moment and apologize for Molly barking. I don't know where the rest of my family is, but uh, my puppy is upstairs barking. <laughs> Sorry. I do not hear her now. Oh, I good. Heard a woof earlier, but it was much <laughs> earlier. Okay. I didn't even notice. So. All, right. All right. So we uh, are talking about the meat of the matter, and that's not the kind of steaks we're talking about, but um, <laughs> I think it's lunchtime for me. But anyway, the stakes of the story, in other words, what does somebody have to lose, right? Yeah. So you um, have an example of trying to, t- to, to, like, if people are unclear, what do you mean the stakes? Jen, how about an example from one of your books? Well, okay, so um, uh, just the, the example between stakes and just what happens. Like, yeah. in my first book, Anna goes to the theater, and it's a pretty big moment that, that what happens there at the theater in the book, if that didn't happen, the story would not exist. Except that, like, it could have happened in a hospital. It could have happened in a park. It doesn't matter. Like, that's not what what, ha- what is important is what does Anna want? And what is, like, she going to lose if she doesn't get it? And what happens in that scene that changes the trajectory of her life? That's what's important. So, like, I would focus on th- the feeling of that and the emotion of that is really. And so, like, Tina was right, though. You start with the hook. And the hook is usually something like like a three-sentence thing or, like, what she said with... um. Um, Jaws. For me, um, I always do like a three sentence, kind of not sentence, three like s- phrase thing. So an impoverished seamstress, a wealthy suitor, an entangled past that can tear them apart. That tells you nothing about when it happens, who these people are, but it tells you what is the at stake. You know, she's poor, he's rich, and they have some sort of past together that we don't that we need to know more about. Yeah. And that would like like be your hook, right? That's the hook. That's the hook. Yes. And, and so it's really awesome. So we talked about it presenting stakes and that totally does like, uh, could tear them apart, right? Mm -hmm. That's the stakes. They could, things could be torn apart. Um, and Teresa says, I read a book this week that would have been good, but the first 50% of the book took place before the blurb. I could not Ugh. get over being misled. So that could also be a plotting issue, right? It, it's, so if they don't have good story structure um, or not really knowing what's at stake, like there are different mm-hmm. parts of your story. Remember we talked about in the past disasters, I call them disasters because of the snowflake method. Um, things that happen that, that change the trajectory of your story at 25%, 50% and 75%. They are looking probably too far into the book. The stakes we're talking about needs to be like your first 25% needs to be that, like, um, that part there, maybe hint at the other, like for me, the, the entangled past that hints at later. But you know, you find out immediately she's not, she's poor, he's wealthy. Um, they have some sort of past. We know that from the beginning. So, and like right. in my in my hook, um, I talk about a, a people bound by the law mm. and a girl in need of redemption. So, like that really take pulls out the theme of my book. 
of yeah. these people living under the law and them all being in need of redemption. Yes. But then it makes it personal to my main character. Yes, because you want the reader to care what happens to the characters. They put the caring character, but you you want people to like want good things for the people on the back right. of the book. And and but like so there was a little bit of discussion about when to use their names. Like so you don't put Anna is blah, blah, blah. Or do you, how do you handle not in the hook, not in the hook. So you start right. with a hook and then you move into the body of your blurb. Yeah. And, uh, and one more thing you can yeah. do with the hook too. Sorry, before we move past hook is that you can use an editorial review if it's a really good one and it gives you the feel of the book. Um, but it has to be an editorial review. Do not use someone's review. You can use reviews from Amazon, other places for in other ways, but if you're going to use it for the hook, it should be something that people are like, oh, Reader's Digest or, <laughs> um, I don't know, or uh, Christianity Today. Wow. Like it needs to be something that people look at and they're like, wow. And then that will hook them in. If it's just like Amazon Reviewer, don't don't use that for your hook. You can use it later. Mm-hmm. Wonderful I was advice. looking through some, some different blurbs, you know, mm-hmm. getting ready for the episode. And I just decided to check out The Hobbit and see what they had. Uh huh. And they and they had a couple of editorial reviews, and then it said, "A Hobbit lived in a hole in the ground" is one of the most iconic lines in the beginning of a book, and then it went on. I didn't uh-huh. really, I didn't really read past there because I was looking at hooks and stuff, right. and I thought, yeah, because everybody who's seen The Hobbit or heard of The Hobbit knows mm-hmm. that line, that mm-hmm. beginning line of the story, and that's what they started with. And um, just like covers. If it is a classic book or if it's somebody who's very famous and a top seller, like we're talking like Karen Kingsbury or Debbie Maycomber, um, if they're like that, they don't always have to follow all the rules. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, again, when you're looking at other people's blurbs, look for comps. So, yeah. Like, I really love my first line of my prologue, Mm -hmm. but that's not going to sell my books because nobody Mm -hmm. else has heard it. Right. Like, nobody knows. Right. Who I am. So. Right. Okay. And I know that we don't want to go too long with this episode. So we need to really quickly again talk about what we think is a good structure for a blurb. And then uh, we'll move into the part where we're taking a look at some blurbs. But we're going to talk just real briefly. There's a difference in a two person narr- narrative, Jen, would you say? Yes. Like, Okay, so run us through just real quickly the, the appropriate structure in our opinion. Now, this is kind of a patchwork cobbled together because Jen and Tina have both taken courses and read books and really studied the art of doing a blurb. And this is just kind of like an amalgamation of best practices from everything you guys have studied, right? Like this isn't mm-hmm. this isn't somebody's formula or whatever. And you could go and get differing opinions, couldn't you? Or is this yes. pretty much the standard? But I will say that I am strongly influenced by um, Brian Cohen's book, Sizzling okay. Synopsis. He has a new Same. one out with another author named Phoebe Ravencraft. Um, I haven't haven't read it yet, but I've heard fabulous things about it. I heard that it's actually an expanded version of the first book. Um, so I will admit I am strongly influenced by him. And there are people that are like, oh, I don't like that style. Okay. Right. That's the style that works for me and that I like. So okay. Um, so this is how mine work. I have a two-person narrative. So after my hook in the two-person narrative, the first paragraph is about character one, the second paragraph is about character two. Generally, character one is female, character two is male. But in one of my books, it did swap. We mentioned that earlier, just because that's worked better for the story. Um, so first paragraph is you introduce character one and their goal. The second paragraph, you introduce character two. Um, and, um, and tell them what, what, or sorry, what they want, what the character two wants. And then the last paragraph is like, you bring them together and what they could lose if things don't work out for them. And then Tina, you do like a one character. Right. Because I have one main protagonist, um, and it's really her story. So my first paragraph introduces her and what her goal is, what it is that she really needs or wants. Second paragraph, what is it that's stopping her from achieving that? What's standing in her way? And third paragraph, what does she have to lose? Right. Great. And I think it's important that we clarify, this is not ad copy. Ad copy is a whole different thing. I mean, we're talking about paragraphs. So um, please do not confuse what we're talking about. This is the blurb on the back of your book and the thing that's going to entice readers to buy. 
And before we move on to anything else, I just have to say it is Sisyphus who had to roll the boulder up the hill. I knew it was not Prometheus and I knew it was not Icarus, but it was Sisyphus. And I just have to publicly correct myself. So thank you everyone for indulging me. And now moving on. Okay. So did we cover basically blurbs, uh, what makes a good one and what we're going to be looking for as we evaluate? We had some readers uh, wonderfully uh, volunteer to be a part of this little exercise that we're going to do. And Jennifer- We had one reader volunteer, which I was like, I'm glad because I thought nobody wanted us to look at them. (laughs) I'm like, this is a little (laughs) bit more sensitive, I think, for people. Um, First, though, we were going to look at mine and Tina's, but before we even do that, I'm going to jump over real quick to the bestsellers in historical Christian romance. This is my, just because I know this genre, this is what I write. Yeah. And all right, so we're going to look at number one. We're just, we're not even going to read them. We're going to, we're kind of read them. All right, so here is the blurb. Who is better to guide her in society than the man who knows and has broken every rule? Ooh, right. <laughs> the first paragraph when Rebecca Russell's blah, blah, blah. The next time, the next paragraph, Valentine Donovan is a rake. And then the third paragraph, just like I said, you bring them together. So that's the first book. Let's just select randomly. Let's see a different. Here's some a book by Heather Chapman. Um, let's go to hers. So now hers is a little different. She doesn't have a hook, but she's still, this is must be mostly a, um, a one character narrative narrative. Thank you. Uh, whoops. Didn't mean to do that. Sorry, folks. I'm clicking too fast around here. Um, let's look at an Ashton Newbold's, um, again, beauty is in the eye of the beholder could be a little bit stronger, but again, she has the one paragraph, two paragraph, and then all of them together. So yeah, and it looks common... like this is part of a series, also. So yes. that you know, sometimes books are in the best bestseller because it's the next one in a successful series, and so there it is, right? Right, exactly. He was only supposed to find her sister. Falling in love wasn't part of the agreement. Mm. So then, see, but we don't know the setting. We don't know who the he is or she is. We don't know any of that stuff. But it's enough to be, make us read on, correct? So well, that's we have how... some hints from the cover. About the time period that it's Yes, in. exactly. It all well, goes together. Yeah. Yes, and when you think of the word hook, we're talking about like if you're trying to catch a fish, which is funny because uh, the Jaws thing. We're not talking about the hook that pulls you off stage if you're doing a really bad job in vaudeville. We're talking about <laughs> it's a dangling piece of bait in front of you that's going to lure you into reading Wanting on. to take a taste. Right? Yeah. So this is, this is why it's called a hook, trying to hook the reader. All right, Jen, what are we doing next? I see we're going to pull up Christina's. All right. We'll look at her first book and we're going to look at her blurb. We should look at the one I helped you with. Just kidding. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So so this is her first book we're saying. Yes. All right. The last Bible torn into a people bound by law, a girl in need of grace. Mm -hmm. So, so again, we don't know the details, but it's enough to be like the Bible torn him in two. What? Angelica longs for redemption. So now that's where we name them. So now in the paragraphs, we start naming our characters because you want your people that you're, there's my dogs. So you want the people <laughs> just to immediately start to care about your characters, right? Mm-hmm. Angelica longs for redemption. Her mother has vanished and Angelica believes it's her fault. But no matter how many sacrifices she brings to the altar, it seems God refuses to forgive her. Just when Angelica despairs of ever getting it right, God calls her to go and find the lost New Testament. Is it finally the penance she seeks? Will Angelica choose to journey across Alaskan wilderness, battle forces of evil, and venture into the dark city to find absolution? Or will she and her people be lost forever? So that's a dog. Questions are great for your last paragraph. Leave your reader hanging because you want them to go, I don't know, will she? And then Mm -hmm. go grab the book. So. Mm -hmm. All right. So that's her. I'm really sorry, everybody. I'm going to pull mine up and. It's not that loud. It's kind of backgroundy. So it's okay. fine. I'll just stop talking about it then. Yeah. It could have been the neighbor's dog. We wouldn't have. So what are we. Yeah, now we're, we're going to look at mine. We'll pull at up yours? mine. Okay. We'll pull up my. <laughs> <laughs> how about Jamie? How about you read. Oh, good. Mine for me. Is I that hope okay? I can. Let me see if I can see it. Okay. Here we go. Um, an impoverished seamstress, a wealthy suitor. Ooh, see, and there's a, a disparity. There's, you know, plus and minus right there in the two sentences. Someone's rich, someone's poor. An impoverished seamstress, a wealthy suitor. 
an entangled past that could tear them apart. And again, there's like a fabric reference. I mean, this is very artistic how this was done. A historical Christian romance from debut author Jennifer Carl Tong. Let's stop there really quick because yep. we didn't talk about that. Mm-hmm. This is for SEO purposes as well as when a person, because romance can be all over the board. And I want people to know right away, this is his, this is Christian. That, that was mm-hmm. for me. To, that's why I did that. But I need to take the word debut out. Like that was done back in the day, right? I'm not debut anymore. I'm no but longer a debutante. But it does show that it was your first book. So like I would argue for leaving it because of just kind of like posterity sort of issues. And then also um, if there's any doubt that this is the first book in the series, although it says book one up at the top, Mm -hmm. we should really, I mean, the SEO stuff is interesting to talk about because you did also do sort of a subtitle at the top for those. Anyway, it's again, that's all coming. Yeah, that's all coming. (laughs) And I'm sorry to leave everybody hanging, but I really want to have the right information and good information. Terrific. All right. So here's the actual body of the blurb. As the great war rages in Europe, Anna Gibson. Yep. I didn't say it is 1912 and blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? I didn't say it's 1918, but as the great war rages in Europe, I've given you a setting and I've given you like kind of some background all in just that little bit. So sorry. That's all right. As the great war rages in Europe, Anna Gibson struggles to make ends meet as a seamstress in a small dress shop in Lansing, Michigan. She is content with her life or so she thinks. However, a handsome suitor from her former life unexpectedly reappears and she finds herself questioning her future when he begins to open doors to her past. See again, future past. So there's a little bit of artistry going on there, right? You're showing no differences. Mm-hmm. I don't tell you anything that happens, right? Mm-mm. All I'm telling you is that, like, well, I tell you that someone shows up from her past, right? But I'm not saying when she goes to the theater or when, to, like, you you don't need yes. that stuff. Yes. Right. Warren Mallory. Now we're talking about the other character. So it's a new paragraph, new character. Warren Mallory has never taken life too seriously until now. Why? Why is he taking life seriously now? Suddenly, he is very serious about finding the amber-eyed beauty that has returned, has haunted his thoughts since he left, she left him standing alone on that street corner. What street corner? See, again, you're not giving too much, right? Mm -hmm. And once... Once he has, he doesn't plan to let her vanish again. But even as fate draws them together, this is paragraph three now. You talked about her, you talked about him, and now the sort of stakes. But even as fate draws them together, the sparks of chemistry are doused when a mysterious package and a long forbidden secret threaten to drive them apart. Can Anna forgive the past in order to be with Warren? Or will pride and misconceptions make her walk away from the only man she has ever loved? Mm. And to Teresa's point, the package, that's my, actually my first, is that's the first 25%. So Mm -hmm. I'm glad that Teresa brought that up. Okay. So then I do a call to action by searching for Anna, the first book in the Love and Lansing series today, because I'm telling them what to do and I'm telling them it's the first book. So I do that. So. Yeah, the call to action, I don't think, I mean, you're kind of saying it, but yeah, that's very important, especially because it feels weird, but this is where you do it. Like right. you don't go and spam people, please buy my book. You put it here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Now's true. the time to ask for the yes. buy, right? Right. If they've gotten that far, then they're probably ready. Let's yep, hope. For sure. All right. So we love our friend Piper. She is one of our lovely admins on our Facebook group. She's been a very special friend to this podcast from way to the beginning. And she was willing to share her blurb and get, let us to give her some, let us give her some feedback. So yay. yay. So this is her first book in her fighting in shadows series shades of deception. Okay. So her hook, what if monsters really do exist? Ooh, I love that. I love it. It not only is it, it's a question, it gets me thinking, but it tells me immediately like what the genre is, mm-hmm. right? Her cover helps. Her cover shows me a girl. It shows me a, um, a it's a coyote, I believe, right? Hers are coyotes, mm-hmm. not wolves. Um, it sh- tells me immediately like what kind of book I'm looking at. And then that just cements it. Like what if monsters do exist? I love it. All right, here's her first paragraph. When her sister is attacked by strange animals, Kelly is determined to learn the truth behind the assault. Her sister's confused muttering about monsters and drugs that show up in her blood work 
make it unlikely the police will take the case seriously. On a fact-finding mission in her sister's apartment, she uncovers the ledger of a smuggler with more than a few secrets to hide. What she discovers, drugs, smuggling, and the shadowy existence of shapeshifters is enough to shake even the most rational person. All right, there's lots that I love, but I'm going to make some suggestions, Piper. I think there's a lot we can take out. Your whole second sentence, I think, can go away because you kind of like already tell us that later. When her sister is attacked by strange animals, Kelly is determined to learn the truth behind the assault on a fact-finding mission to her mm-hmm. sister's apartment. You know, take out her sister's apartment. We don't. It doesn't matter where it is. On a fact-finding mission, she uncovers a ledger with more than a few secrets to hide. Yeah, I like that. That's Make it really, really punchy. Yeah. Yes, because think about it this way. You only have so many seconds before they go on to the next book. Most people are like, click, click. Think about how you are going through Pinterest. You know, or TikTok or whatever. And do me a favor real quick. Click the read less thing. Oh, yeah. Oh. That's all they're going to see before they have to hit read more. So you want as much that's going to grab them in that, in those first four lines as you can get. And maybe it's just my genre because grandmas love me. Like that really is my, like I, most of my readers are, you know, retired, like older, you know, but a lot of people don't even know they read more. They don't even see it. to click that that's interesting i do love that suggestion because i was like really digging this blurb but i think it would be improved by Mm -hmm. just uh removing some words that's that's a really good suggestion i like that okay and and then if you just say what she discovers is enough to shake even the most rational person yeah you tell them the drugs like you're gonna show them that in the story we don't need to tell them that now yeah then they'd be like make them like what does she discover what she discovers is enough to shake even the most rational like that's great i love that okay Mm -hmm. so i'm not changing it i love what you've done we're just making it tighter Yep. D- David has been working his way closer to the top of the smuggling operation, but Kelly's interference is threatening his mission. When his attempts to keep her safe without tipping his hand to the smugglers aren't enough to shake her off, he's assigned to get her out of the way. Oh, okay. no. Yeah. Good, right? That sounds so good. <laughs> huh? Um. So I would say um, David... David's investigations are being threatened. Um, are, David is working hard. I would try to tighten that up a lot. Let me see. David mm-hmm. has been working. David to, uh, aspires to reach the top of his whatever. Do you know what I mean? Like, so yeah. like, so now we're all about David was on this path and blah, blah, blah. And then right. skirt, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I want to take David out as the first word. Instead, I want to ah. say um, um, in a desperate attempt to unearth the smuggling operation david um doesn't need any distractions especially a and then instead of saying kelly describe her especially a nosy sister that keeps getting in the way something along mm-hmm. the lines um all right so piper says and, okay, or you could start out with kelly's interference is threatening david's mission and then right. and you don't even have to since you didn't say smugglers in the first paragraph mm-hmm and maybe not say it in the second paragraph. Well, she's and, even, sorry, Tina. And then just say, um, uh, he, and he's assigned to get her out of the way. Right. Piper's question you know? is, I also have questions because this is not a romance. Is this two person point of view blurb, right? It, well, it can be, but what I would suggest if, if this is not a romance and there's no romance between them, if you have, if you mention him in the second paragraph, don't mention Kelly at all. Because mm-hmm. it comes across as a romance that way. So you have two options. If you have one main character and then a bunch of other kind of main characters, like I would imagine in your books, maybe there's one main character and then there's a lot of important characters. F- just focus on the main character and do it the way that Tina does it. If if David is just as important, like he has, he has just as many chapters dedicated to him, he controls just as much of the story outcome then then give him a paragraph but do not mention kelly in it find a way of talking about what he's doing and what is at stake if she's the only reason that things are like at stake then then he probably is just as he's not as important as her and i would just focus on her that would be my uh, advice yeah i love that advice you could just say something like he never thought it would entail taking a life right you don't have to say that kelly is the target all right let's look at the yep 
the last paragraph. With Kelly's family threatened, she teams up with David. So, so you could just take old David out of that other part. And she says, when Kelly's family is threatened, she teams up with, and she could either say David or what his what he does with an investigator mm-hmm. um, to pull off a stunt that will return the ledger and distract the smugglers. So I would just say, with Kelly's family threatened, she teams up with an investigator to pull off a stunt that um, could either say that it could either shut down a smuggling operation um, or lose her sister forever. Something tighter like that. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? So absolutely. I think, I think you guys are right because she's really, really, really on the right track. And I, I wouldn't have even recognized these suggestions, but once you make them and see, this is why it's so great to get another set of eyes because mm-hmm. I think those are amazing suggestions. And then if you do that, then the whole read less thing, you're going to have most of it up there. And only thing that won't show up are these things down here, which I'm glad you did. The Shades of Deception is the first book in a YA series featuring unusual shapeshifters and clean adventure in a hidden paranormal yep, world. There you that go. That tells me what I need to know, but it's at the bottom, right? Which is perfect. And, it's exactly like I did. So. And it's yep. followed by her call to action. Call to action, baby. Ask them for that sale. Good job. Close so the overall, deal. Yeah, it's not a bad blurb overall it's i think not, it, was, it was good it was very clean like there wasn't a whole lot but i think that if you tighten it i think you might even do better so yeah yeah right. i well, was watching a thing um last night where this guy was showing like here was my blurb before and it was pretty good mm-hmm. um but then i tightened it up and then he had he actually had the numbers that his click through went up by 40 percent. wow wow yeah. and it was good to start with so yeah well, that's- <laughs> Piper says, whoo, not as painful as it could have been. <laughs> well, we appreciate you being uh, willing to let us uh, take a look at that because that could be it's scary. Right. And what if like what if we were like jerks about it? <laughs> what if Julia Sugarbaker had come out? I know. Right. Oh, right. You got it out of your system. But what if it was one of her babies and we're over here stabbing it in the back? Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Well, we appreciate you not being so tightly clung to it that when we do give you advice that you're not like mad about it. So we appreciate you, your willingness to share that. So she does share, however, that her favorite hook of her books. Oh, is yeah. All Wait. Sam wants is a normal life. But her fur keeps getting in the way. That's like amazing. That's so great. Yeah. yeah. And it makes me think of Gloria Estefan's song, The Words Get in the Way, but like you change it to the fur gets in the way. Mm. Um, so have fun with that today, Piper, as you go. <laughs> <laughs> Christian right. Writers Podcast, giving out writing advice and earworms all day long. <laughs> all right. So are we ready to transition to the feeding of the backs? Yes. Yes. What is the feeding of the backs? Well, you know, I think it's really cool that our listeners have really started participating with this along with us. We have a sprint prompt every Friday that we give out and we set a timer for 15 minutes just before we go live and write, write, write for 15 minutes. And then we bring those unpolished, unedited pieces to y'all and read them live on air. But our listeners have started to post them in our Facebook group, and it makes me so excited and happy. And Teresa Thomas, wow, came up with the hashtag Friday 15, and I just love that. I think that's so spiffy and handy. So if you put yours in our group and you hashtag it Friday 15, everybody will know that you did the Friday sprint prompt, and they're looking at your sprint piece. And we only give positive critique on the Friday sprints. Why? Well, because I just told you we wrote them and did not edit them, right? This is just a brain dump. This is like, I wrote today, yay for me. And um, even if that's the only positive thing you have to say about what you produce during your Friday 15, you wrote today, go you. But if you post it, everybody's going to be real nice and give you lots of words (laughs) of affirmation, which is why I love Fridays. Okay. So everybody is going to What's your love language? I'm saying I, <laughs> I, I have to really, maybe I should take a quiz to find out. Okay. So, um, Jen, I always pick on you to go first. Why break with tradition? So right. why don't you share with everybody? What was the sprint prompt for today's sprint? When it was time to pick, pick this week's sprint prompt, I said, let Jamie pick it. And Jamie's like, she was doing something else. All of a sudden she's like, what, what are you asking me? So our <laughs> prompt this week is what are you asking me? Yeah. All right. It's not in quotes. Not in quotes, but I did use it. Oh, extra points for me for those of you who are keeping track. (laughs) Only you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Colleen swept 
the last corner of the porch clean of debris, then rested her chin on the end of the handle, sighing contently. This is how life was supposed to be. Chores done, house clean, ranch matters taken care of. All that was left to make her life carefree would be bills paid in full, but that would come in time. God would see to it, she reassured herself. Hadn't he been showing her favor lately? Isn't it a beautiful night? The low baritone, but, hmm, the low baritone voice of Cade McNeil reverberating so closely behind her made Colleen nearly jump out of her skin. Mr. McNeil, she huffed. You nearly sent me over the porch rail. Cade twisted the hat he held in his hands, the corner of his mouth twitching. Sorry, ma'am. Didn't mean to. A cool breeze flitted across the front of the house, disturbing the large man's hair that looked like it had been recently washed. And for the first time, Colleen noticed how thick his dark locks were. She pulled her gaze away from the man. What was it you said? I was just commenting on the fine evening we're having. She nodded. Yes, it's a beautiful night. He nodded as well. Perfect kind of a night for a walk. I suppose it is, she answered, sweeping at dirt that did not exist. <laughs> Cade was silent for a few moments, and Colleen felt the awkwardness of the moment. She finally broke the silence. Did you need something, Mr. McNeil? He frowned at the broom. Do you still have work that needs attending to? No, I've just finished. So does that mean you're free for that walk? What walk? Cade McNeil rubbed the back of his neck and seemed lo at a loss for words. Colleen once again broke the silence. What are you asking me, Mr. McNeil? I'm asking you if you'd like to take a walk this evening with me. Colleen blinked at him several times as the most handsome smile she'd ever seen slowly took over his face. Her heart beat, began to beat rapidly as she finally found her voice. No, she said, then walked into her house, slamming the door behind her. Oh, no. <laughs> Three, two, one. Colleen! <laughs> Wait, positive only, right? But this is positive because I'm invested. So it's like... You know? <laughs> oh, she let me down. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I, I don't even know what no? to say. I have to know why she says no. Piper is rolling on the floor laughing and Shell's saying, ah, Jen. <laughs> well, I'm trying I'm to figure Jen. out, like, is this like right after she he was coming out of that? No, oh, no, nope. this is going to be early on. This, this is, is like, her, like so, trying to be like, I'm not falling for a pretty yeah, face kind of thing. Exact, yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I know that feeling. <laughs> <laughs> you might be good looking and all. <laughs> you know, we just had this conversation in my living room last night where, um, my daughter was telling me that she was like me and she doesn't put up with any crap basically. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I said, but I wasn't always like that. And then my husband says, yeah, it was what the moment she left the abuser, like she decided she wasn't, and he said it like it was a negative thing. <laughs> <laughs> like he, like he got the other side. He didn't get the side of you. That was <laughs> and I was just like, um, well, yeah, I decided that I was nobody's punching bag anymore. And uh, mm -hmm. I don't well, let glad. anybody get even close to that line. That's Good for funny. you. I'm glad. So, so yeah, I, I'll, I really... I'll try to channel a lot of Christina Katane into, into um, Colleen so as I'm a writer. That is my connectedness, connecting with your character. <laughs> I've got to say that Piper could tell Jen was having a hard time hiding her glee at the plot twist. Yes. <laughs> and Gigi says, Colleen is hilarious. Love your character. Oh, Teresa thanks. says, I love that. Then she says, dirt that didn't exist and the door in his face. Yep. The dirt <laughs> that didn't exist was great. Liz says, I echo Jamie. Colleen! And I love that she was pretending to sweep. And Joan says, oh, no, Colleen. And we're all, we're all like, oh, no, why? He's slipping through your fingers. That's so great. That's awesome. That's uh, awesome. Good job, Jen. It's okay, guys. They get together in the end. It's a romance. <laughs> It'll be fine. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Uh, all right. Well, I will read mine next so that it's not. Oh, maybe I won't. Where is my sprint? Ah, um, hold on. Uh, somebody fill time. Talk go about ahead, Tina. Why don't you read yours while she's oh, okay? Her. Yes, go ahead. Okay. Yes. Mm. So I I wrote mine thinking it was going to be funny, and I ended up thinking maybe I need therapy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's okay. I started off thinking I need therapy, so we're good. 
<laughs> All right. I used to think the world was a wonderful place, place of joy, love, and justice. And then I turned three. <laughs> that is when I discovered that there was no justice, in my world at least. For if there had been, I would forever have remained in the center of it, captivating my audiences with my adorableness. It was not to be, however, and I got shoved aside and was given a new title, Big Sister. Aww. I had no desire to be the big sister. And this pale blue vein mewling creature that they were all ooing and aahing over seemed supremely unworthy of their attention. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he couldn't smile with twinkling eyes and round cheek dimples. His curls didn't bounce when he moved his head. He couldn't say cheeky things that made everybody laugh. In fact, he couldn't speak at all. Hmm. He only wailed like a cat whose bowl is empty. You're such a good big good big sister, people would say. Don't you just love your little brother? I couldn't believe the audacity. I was a star. I was a princess. I was royalty. I refused to perform for them. I crawled into the big green arm green armchair, arms crossed, knees against my chest, white cable knit tights hiding the lace hem on lace on the hem of my favorite red dress. I wouldn't even give them that to look at. <laughs> oh, the poor thing is jealous, a lady with big poofy gray hair all piled on her head said. I wanted to call her a big fat hairball and kick her in the shin. Instead, <laughs> I removed myself from their presence. They didn't deserve me. I made sure they knew I was leaving, too, by stomping my feet with each step. Alone in my room, I pulled out my dolls. At least they knew how wonderful I was. Uh-huh. <laughs> If you need therapy, so do I. As a middle child, I feel this so profoundly. I I distinctly remember thinking, she can't say her ABCs. All she does is roll around on the floor. And I was like, I'm so entertaining and amusing. (laughs) The baby, the baby, like so relatable, Tina. And I, I don't know, like I'm a middle child and you're not. So at least I know I'm not alone, but I have classic middle child syndrome for sure. Now, of course, I love my sister to death, but- when she was new on the scene, I was just like, I don't get it. What's the attraction? At first, I thought you were channeling your grandbaby, your granddaughter, because yeah. the baby is coming. And I know she's had a couple of like, well, why wasn't I good enough kind of moments, <laughs> right? And so, because she's been the princess for quite a few years yeah. now. So, um, but yeah, that was great, Tina. I loved mm-hmm. it. Lots of laugh out loud moments. I don't know why you thought that it wasn't like that you needed therapy. I think that was therapy. Well, was maybe, great. yeah, mm-hmm. maybe it was my therapy. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, his, his birthday was on the 20th. So, oh, um, it was kind of in honor of my annoying little big brother. He's Aww. like six foot four, but he's younger than me. So, <laughs> that's so great. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, Gigi says, Tina, this is adorable. You wrote this so good. Had me hanging on every word. Oh, Piper says, ah, but it reminds me of the post you put up the other week about aunt. What's her funny name? Aunt. Wow. There's an aunt with a funny name that you put up. I have no um, idea. I don't remember either. Uh, Liz says, I hope those aren't the thoughts my oldest is having. That was funny. Maybe not because some people like, uh, especially big brothers seem to be like, Oh, little baby, I'll protect you. Like I, I miss the, and I saw pictures of my sister. She was adorable. So I get it now. Anyway. And uh, I was she'll... adopted at two. And so like, I was like, I had all this attention, right? Mm-hmm. Like here's like the new puppy that they just brought home. Who is so, so cute. And, and I was two when they adopted me, and I was three when he was born. So I barely had a year I gotcha. on the throne. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. That's really, really interesting. Yeah. Shell says, Tina, so great. Really fun descriptions and great turns of phrase. Yeah. And uh, the lady with the hair piled up on her head and, and all of it. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Loved it all. It was so yeah. great. Teresa says so many great details. I love how you use big words, yet I could totally feel that she was three. Right. Agreed. agreed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. I found my sprint. <clears throat> Here we go. What are you asking me? The question hung there between them as stale as the scent of cigarettes and brute that persisted in the hatchback in brute. spite of Lydia's best efforts to eradicate them. I'm asking for a second chance, I guess. The answer finally came after several seconds of stony silence, during which Lydia stared at her knuckles and regretted for the 480,000th time the decision to get that footprint tattoo. Second chance, 
Lydia scoffed. I seem to recall we've had this conversation more than once. Third chance then? He rubbed his hands against the dirty denim that encased his shrunken thighs, and Lydia tried not to remember them meteor, tried not to remember them happy. She set she sent the footprint to the radio dial and spun it, her face stony but her insides a bubbling fountain of mirth as he jumped from the suddenness of her movement and the sound that filled the air. Unwell by Matchbox 20 seemed an appropriate soundtrack for the moment. How ironic, Lydia thought, and then sat thinking about the lyrics of the Morissette song. You can say no, he said. And Lydia realized she had take, he had taken her silence as some indication of indecision. It was at that moment she realized she had the power. She held the cards. She turned away from him and put her hand against her mouth to hide the smile, then rubbed it away. I don't even know what I'm doing here, she said. And she didn't mean just in this car with this man or in this city or situation. But of course, he didn't understand. I think we're meant to be, he said. All paths have led us here. He reached out and tapped on the footprint, and in that moment she experienced yet another epiphany. She had left footprints everywhere she'd gone, and she was entirely capable of creating brand new ones. You're right, she said, and let him see her next smile. I'm right where I need to be. So, all right, so good. Can I ask a clarifying question? Sure. I'm confused about the footprint. They're in a car, right? Mm -hmm. it, and did I miss, like, did she leave a footprint on the dashboard? It's a tattoo on her uh, oh, knuckles. Oh, gotcha. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Gotcha. All right. So good. First of all, I love the ending. I love that she's like, yeah, I can make new footprints other places. Like, so Julie Sugarbaker. I really love this character. Great detail. I love like the the thing that stuck out to me was his his thigh was his thighs mm -hmm. or his hands that were not so thick anymore. Mm -hmm. And like how like he's you know just he's kind of dwindling not only physically but like like in her image of him as well too. And I just just very well written. I I really like enjoyed that. Yeah. Thank you. That's exactly that's exactly the emotion I was trying to evoke. That makes mm -hmm. me happy that it worked. Oh, I appreciate hearing that. Mm -hmm. Really good. <clears throat> Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. And so we've uh if you have taken real quick Piper says she had left footprints and was entirely capable of leaving new ones. So good. I agreed. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. I love Friday. If you have... Oh. Gigi says, Jamie, these characters are so real powerful. Agreed. Thanks a million. And if you set the timer and participate in our Friday 15, as it's so artfully named by Teresa, uh, go ahead and post it in our listeners of the Christian Indie Writers Facebook feed. And if you don't want to do that, we'll just sprint anyway, because then you can say you wrote today. Um, put it on your blog. Put it on your own social media. Um, just do it. Just sprint. Uh, writing, 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 even if it's something nobody ever looks at, will make you a better writer. Okay. And I'm really excited to go read Brian's because I noticed it's set in Alaska. Ooh, so. all right. So um, the what's next is our final segment. We're going to breeze through these, hopefully, since we're a little over. What's next for you, Jen? I got a lot of editing done this week, so I'm just going to continue that. And um, hopefully the the finished product of this book is in sight. So. Awesome. Exciting. Mm -hmm. um, what's next for me is uh, I posted a Facebook meme and I think it's completely appropriate. It says, uh, I feel like my life is a tornado and I am the spinning cow added for cinematic effect. <laughs> and, uh, um, so my life is a tornado. And so uh, just uh, keeping everything together is my what's next. How about for you, Bambina? Uh, well, I, 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 bought a table at a book fair coming up on October 1st. So I'm a little excited about that. I have all these Ooh. leftover paperback copies from camp meeting and I'm, and I'm going to sell them at this book fair. And I got some swag coming in the mail a little bit every day. So. Oh, that's so October exciting. 1st is next week, which means preptober. I believe if it. You're gonna yeah. do can, if you're going to do NaNoWriMo, we could start prepping. We can talk about that more. So in the Facebook group too, but. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. Jump over there and and let us know. Are you going to do Nano? And if you have any plans to prepare in Preptober, 
Maybe I'll do some Facebook know. lives in the group, doing some prep stuff. If you guys, if you guys want to do that, um, I guess comment on here on this video. If you guys would be interested in some Facebook lives, doing some planning and preparing for Nano, let me know. All righty. Well, um, if that's everything, then I will have to say that concludes this episode of the Christian Indie Writers Podcast. Until next time, may your pen be prolific, may your deadlines be met, and may all of your words honor Christ. Bye now. Bye, everyone.